We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, let's uh, let's kind of start transitioning into Marshall here a little bit. Let's talk about the Marshall Thundering Herd. So this is a football team that that went seven and six last year and year one under uh, Charles Huff, who we talked a little bit about before earlier. And you know it it was an interesting team because they they were a really explosive offense the year before I thought, mm-hmm. but they were also a team that you know kind of played. Uh, at t- well, they were they were explosive early and then late in the year just collapsed if you remember that like they climbed in the top 25 at one point in time in 2000 and in, in 20 in 2020 during a COVID year and then just kind of collapsed late still went seven to three went seven and six last year actually ended up scoring more points per game they were consistently better they didn't have the bottom out moments they scored only had one game all year where they scored less than 20 points that was against UAB who was a 10 win team last year so went seven and six last year had a 49-7 win over Navy beat NC Central, which is an FCS team, uh, beat Old Dominion by a touchdown, blew out North Texas, blew out Florida International, beat Florida Atlantic convincingly, and blew out Charlotte. They then lost by four points to East Carolina, uh, lost to App State by a point, lost to Middle Tennessee by six, lost to UAB by a touchdown. So their their four uh, first four losses were all really competitive games, and then their last two games they got blown out by Western Kentucky. Uh, in the in the um, end of the season, gave up 53 points to to Zappi in that offense, and then they lost convincingly to Louisiana Lafayette in the. Uh, I think that was a bowl game. I can't remember if that was a bowl. Was that a bowl game or was that like the? It wasn't the conference USA championship, right? It was a bowl game. It was just I, on I, this. It was, it was those weird dates. It was like December 18th. I think that because, was a bowl game. I think it was a bowl game too because you said Marshall won seven and six, right? Right. So that 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 well, some teams game had their to... some teams had their bowl games canceled last year. Right. So right. there was still some of that nonsense last year. So, right. uh, I, I but again, I think the, the December 18th. That's too late for a conference title game, and also they've changed leagues. So yes. they're not a Conference USA team anymore. They were a Conference USA team last year, but they are now a Sun Belt team. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they are in a, in a different league. So again, this is a this is a, an opponent that is a quality opponent, meaning it's a team that's good enough to let you learn something about yourself. This isn't yes. New Mexico Bowling Green, but it's also an opponent 
the name should win convincingly against. But let's talk about some of the reasons, Ryan, just as we an overview so people can understand what is it about Marshall that makes them good. And I think the first thing that I look at is they have really tried to recruit hard. And one of the things Doc Holliday, I thought, did a really nice job of, by the way, favorite coaching name ever. Great name. <clears throat> by the way, but uh, one of the things Doc Holliday has really, really worked on in recruiting, and, and Charles Huff has done the same since he's got there, is recruit the South a ton. Mm -hmm. uh, their starting quarterback is from Florida. Their starting running back is a transfer from Florida State who, who is from Virginia, Kalen LeBourne. You probably, if you're a recruit, Nick, you remember him. He was a big-time recruit. Some people, I think one service had him as a Five star. They're a three. They're an eleven personnel team. Ryan, one back, mm -hmm. one tight end, three receivers as their base offense. They'll mix it up a little bit, but they're a lot eleven personnel, from what I can tell. You can correct me with these if I if I'm wrong, Ryan, because I know you've watched a lot more film so far than I have. Mm -hmm. All three of their starters at receiver are all from Florida. The number two players at each position at receiver are Florida, Florida, Tennessee, and then there's one kid listed as the third guy, but he actually has played a decent amount. Shadid Ahmed, and he's from Texas. Mm -hmm. Their starting tight end is from Jersey. Their backups from Alabama. Uh, they have a kid named Driscoll who spells his name correctly in the offensive line from Kentucky. So their their offensive line is more Midwest-ish, you know. It's and yeah. and and it's Kentucky, PA, West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. And then you go down to their defense. It's here's where guys are from: Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Louisiana, Tennessee, Florida. That's where their starters are from on defense. So again, this is a team, Ryan, that is is trying to go south because they want to be athletic. Now, are they as athletic as Notre Dame and teams like that? No. But for their level, they're a pretty athletic football team for their level. And that's something yep. that's going to present some challenges for Notre Dame. They're long and they're longer than you'd expect the team from the Sun Belt or Conference USA to be at the skill positions. Because we mentioned earlier their secondary, but their receivers, uh, Corey Gamage is a good football player. He's 6'4". Talik mm -hmm. Keaton, really good football player, 6'1". Caleb McMillan's going to play a lot. He's 6'3". Brian Robinson, 6'1", 202. Their tight end is 6'3", 234. Uh, they've got some size. Their offensive line is 314, 311, 300, 325, and 316 across. They're not an undersized offensive line. They have a big physical offensive line. They don't move well, but they're big and physical. And then, as we mentioned on defense, you know, their linebackers are 6'2", 6 6'2". 2, 6 2. Their stud is 6'3", 214. And then their four DBs are 6'1", 6 6'1", 6 6 and 6'2". So this is a team that's got some height and also some corresponding length to go with it. So that's the first thing that stood out to me when I was looking at Marshall. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really well said, Brian. I think that there's there's a lot of players on this Marshall team that I think are better than the level they're playing on. I'll leave it at that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I talked a little bit about, like, I think there's one specifically that I think could be a contributor on a Power 5 team, like, pretty pretty easily. But, I mean, you mentioned Corey Gamage is six foot four, 220 pounds. Like, he is long. Kid. He's pretty fast too, man. Like he's not slow footed. Like he's an expo- pretty explosive kid. He's very, he's a very linear player, right? So he's not right. going to like change direction incredibly well, but as a vertical based player and after the catch, man, I mean, at least last week, like he made a play after the catch. I was like, Oh, he can break some tackles right. too, man. Like he's not just like a stiff right. vertical player either. Like he can play in space a little bit. So you got a kid like him. You got LeBorn who, Hey man, I mean, we talked about Rasheen Ali, who's a fantastic player. Who unfortunately is not, not with the team right now. But LeBourne's 212 pounds. There was a reason that he was highly coveted at one point, right? right? Like he had 12 carries for over 100 yards in their opening game. Again, against Norfolk State, Has, so hasn't like, been able to stay healthy. That's the re. He hasn't. Yes. Pl- he has not had a. He has not had a statistic gained since 2019. Yes, because yep. of injuries. I mean, just it's, it's crazy. That's been the man. reason. Yeah, but when he's healthy, he's still got some juice to him, right? Like I, I was impressed by the the burst and acceleration he had. Not a creative runner. But like as a downhill one two gear runner, he's got he's got something to him. Talked about damage. Henry Columbia transferred from Texas Tech was at one point six year player. He was Jordan Love's backup quarterback at Utah State there for a little bit, which is pretty funny. And then you mentioned my favorite player in this offense, Brian Ethan Driscoll, best last name on the team in my opinion. I bet you twenty dollars he's related to me somehow because my my family has uh, the Driscolls have lineage in Kentucky. My granddad's uh, family's from Kentucky. And you don't see it spelled K E L L very often. So yeah. I'll bet you I'll bet you 20 bucks he's some sort of distant cousin. So sorry and fam, was... you're going down Saturday though. <laughs> right, right. Hey, man, I I let's I mean, yes. But I was just going to say about him, Brian. I mean, we talked about looking the part my man is 6'9", 314 yeah. pounds. So he's a big fellow, man. He's better athlete than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Pretty good flexibility. You know, power isn't great. It's still developing. But, like, to your point, some good-looking athletes on this team, man. On the offensive line, on in the in the pass-receiving core, on defense. There's, there's some guys, man, that stick out and you're like, it's probably – he should probably be playing a little higher than maybe at mm-hmm. Marshall than he is. Yeah. Their quarterback's an interesting guy, Ryan. Uh, Henry Columbia transferred from Texas Tech and um, had an okay first game, I thought, on Saturday against Norfolk State. I mean, they just kind of ran on Norfolk State. Yeah, uh, He's a kid who I think is a decent athlete. To me, he just doesn't have much of an arm to no. stretch a deep. He's, and, he's an and, RPO thrower. Yeah. He's an RPO kid. Yep. Good accuracy. I mean, you look at him last year at, uh, at Texas Tech, it was a similar thing. I mean, he – Completed 64% of his passes, and it was, again, it was a lot of stuff, getting him the ball in space, letting guys kind of run with the ball. He just – he's not really going to stretch it down the field. He's an okay athlete, but, you know, he can be overwhelmed by pressure. I think that's going to be something too. But yes. if you let him sit with a clean pocket and you give him – and you play off coverage, he's going to pick you apart because he is a he's a smart kid. He's a good decision maker, and he's accurate. You know, good Good accuracy. Good, not great, mm-hmm. but good accuracy from what I've seen. But he's yeah. also a kid that's played in some big games. I mean, he's played. I mean, you, you look at him last year, Ryan. He played at Texas. He went eighteen of twenty-four uh, for three hundred twenty-four yards and three touchdowns at Texas. He's Should played at West Virginia. Went twenty-three of thirty-four for two hundred sixty-six yards at West Virginia. 
He played, he threw seven passes completed or two 12 passes completed seven at Oklahoma. The point being, the reason I'm saying this is because when you look at a kid like that, a year before, went 20, 30 of 24, 42 against Kansas State, uh, has played at TCU. The, the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because he's an experienced kid who has played in loud environments. He's not going to be overwhelmed by playing in Notre Dame State. He played at Darrell K. Royal Stadium, or he's played in Norman. He's not going to be overwhelmed by the Notre Dame crowd and in sta- in stadium. You're going to have to overwhelm him with your defense. And he's a he is an ex- player. Right, and he's an experienced yeah. kid who's played in, not, not just been on the team in those games, right? So mm-hmm. he has played in those games. So uh, you, he's going he's gonna to have them in a position where – you know they're gonna they're they're gonna he's gonna know where to go with the ball and yeah I get that it was Norfolk State but yep. he went twenty four of twenty six in that game That's right good. but he also only only ninety something percent right ninety two point three and so mm-hmm. it's funny only one of his passes is the ground because he threw a pick in the game mm-hmm. so twenty five of twenty six passes were caught by somebody I say kind of jokingly but you know did, QB did you rating of over one sixty three I did not. Oh, <laughs> wait to see this guy. Oh, well, and he, but see, that's the thing, though, is as is, is we kind of dive into the personnel, he'll throw he'll turn the ball over. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about what he did last year. He threw as many interceptions as he did touchdowns, five and five. He, you know, he threw an interception, at least one interception in five of the six games that he started. The only exception being against West Virginia. And so he'll he'll turn the ball over. There's no doubt. He went eight and four, eight touchdowns and four picks in 2020. He went two and one in 2019. And so, I mean, you're talking about a kid who's about same. Uh, he's got what four more touchdowns than he has interception in his career. Uh, he'll turn the ball over. He'll make some yeah. of those throws if you pressure him, especially. Yes. Well, if you I, I asked. I, I asked you if you'd see the interception this past week because he's a kid for me that when I wrote, I literally wrote in a preview for the site that if you speed up his process, he's going to make some bad decisions. Yep. Like that's 100 because he's a he's yep. a rhythm based passer. He wants to throw screens. He wants to throw RPOs. That's because, like you said, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a big arm. So he's not going to push the ball down the field. He's a short to intermediate passer, which right. is fine in his system. It's completely right. fine. That's what they want. But you saw the one time that he had to really speed up his process and kind of saw things late, throws an interception. Because when you speed up that process, he's going to get pushed into bad decisions. Right. And if, if he, and especially if he second guesses himself, that's when things get a little hairy. Because on, on his interception he threw this past week, kind of double clutched and then threw into the end zone. Right. And I'm just like, Oh, yep. That's not the process he was going through in his head. Right. Like that's not what he wanted to do. So I agree at rhythm based passer, RPO kid, good in that system. But again, if Notre Dame is able to get some quick pressure and able to speed up that process, you can force Henry Columbia into some bad decisions. There's no doubt about it. Right. So that's going to be a part of it. You know, he, he's going to have some weapons around him. There's talent around him. There's athletes around him. The line's big and physical, not overly athletic. Let's go on the other side of the ball, Ryan, because this is the side of the ball to me that's going to determine just how good Marshall is going to be this year. They're going to be a good offense this year. They were a good offense last year. The question for me is, will they be good enough on offense to go out and be better than what they were last year, which was a a bowl-eligible team in the Conference USA Sun Belt level? And at times last year, I'll be honest with you, Ryan, I was impressed with their defense at times. And then at other times, you're like, Ugh. and then when you look at their their points per game, they gave up 23.8 points per game, which is not great. Yeah. But that ranks second in the in their conference last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's a conference where there's a lot of points being scored. 
And and so, you know, they they ranked second last year in the Conference USA in points per game allowed. They ranked second in the conference last year in yards per play, which is good. They ranked second in passing yards allowed. They ranked second in yards allowed per completion. They ranked first in yards allowed per attempt. These are good ratings. You want to be high in those areas. And they ranked first in opponent quarterback rating. Yeah. So th- they couldn't stop the run. And that's also part of it because they ranked 12th out of 14 teams and yards allowed per game on the ground and 14th and yards allowed per play. But the thing that impressed me, it's it's okay. I expect their yards to be down because they give up a lot of rushing yards. Mm-hmm. But what you see is the yards per attempt yards per completion and the rating are also really low, which is more indicative of the quality of their pass defense. And so that's the thing is they had some games where they gave up a lot of yards last year in, in the past game. Mm-hmm. But those were, those were games where, I actually thought they played well. And a perfect example for me is the Western Kentucky game. They held, held uh, Bailey Zappi. It's how you pronounce his name. Correct. Did I say that? Zappy. Correct. That, right. They held him to 328 yards. Now you may say, dude, they gave him 328 yards. He only completed 52.1% of his passes, which is low for him. And the other thing is that's an offense that averaged 433 yards per game passing last year. Bailey Zappi averaged 426.2 passing yards last year. It's completed 69.2% of his passes. And I kind of equate it to kind of like playing Navy, right? When you're like, yeah, it gave up 230 rushing yards in Navy. Yeah, but they rushed for 320 a game. And we held them 100 yards below their average. Right. And that's kind of how Marshall was last year. <clears throat> I think the East Carolina game was the one game that I thought was bad. Uh, yeah. Their past defense. They had a bad day that day. Uh, yes, East Carolina is a, a decent passing team, but not mm-hmm. not that. I mean, last year East Carolina was about 270 per game. Uh, they went for three was a 395 against against them, and then App State went for 283. But the next five games, they held all their opponents under 200 yards, including some teams that, that like to throw it around a little bit. You know, I, I believe yep. North Texas is still an air rate team. They went for a buck 34, 17 to 32. Yep. So they went through a stretch there where their pass defense was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's kind of what I want to see is can, can you throw on them? Because if you can get if, if you can get the pass game going and throw the ball down the field, then they have no chance because you yep. should be able to run on them. And then and if, the, if they can't run on this defense, Ryan, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a big problem because this is not a good rushing defense. And uh, I mean, yeah, they held Norfolk State to 30 yards on 31 carries, but it's Norfolk State, right? right? That's a mediocre FCS team. So you should be able to run on them. If not, that's going to be a problem. But it's it's can you be balanced? And and I don't. What I also don't want to see is just them come out and just ex- like I understand the desire to just come out and <clears throat> push them around mm-hmm. or attempt to push them around, but I don't know if that necessarily makes you better. You need to come out and run your offense. Agreed. I think that's going to be the key. Run your offense because what you what you don't want to do is is just try to bully them yes because that'll work but you're not beating clemson that way you're not beating usc that way you're not beating ohio state in a rematch if you get one that way you've got to learn to be able to score and that's what i want to see because i want to see you test your athletes against their athletes because i think their name should be able to bully marshall but i want to see them go after stephen gilmore yes. if you don't trust your receivers to go after stephen gilmore then what are we doing here and what i mean is He's a good football player, mm-hmm. but he's not like he's not some future top fifteen NFL draft pick that just happened to end up a Marshall, right? right? I mean, the DNA is good, but I mean, you know what I mean, Ryan? Like, if you can't, yeah. if you're afraid to challenge this secondary, then this is going to be a long year. 
my I, I, I agree completely. And, and I, I reiterate what you just said about let's not just bully them. Because I think one of our, our main points that we started with is that we want the leash to be taken off of Tyler Buckner, right? So him just handing the ball off 40 times, whatever the number is, it doesn't really do anything for me. It doesn't answer any question marks, right? Like this is a game where I want questions answered a little bit, right? Or at least a blueprint to like what it's going to look like. I'm not asking you to show everything and throw the kitchen sink out there, but need to see something more than I saw last week. And I think that the reason you can run on this team, Brian, in my opinion, is the defensive tackle group is not very good. I mean, you talked about Anthony Watts from Purdue, but it's just kind of a, a, underwhelming group inside. So I think Notre Dame should have some success in the interior defensive line, uh, offensive line, if they're able to create some substantial movement there. But the biggest thing I want to see is I talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the show. These linebackers are pretty good for Marshall, man. It's a good group and they They need to show up and get to the second level on this team because Abraham bow plan. I'm here to tell everyone right now is don't be surprised when number seven is making some plays in week in, in this week. Because I went back to watch some of his games from last year, watch him in this game, even though he didn't have a, a he didn't have a gaudy stat number. I think he had four tackles and a tackle for loss and mm-hmm. a one quarterback hurry. Like he wasn't overly impressive from a stat sheet perspective. But again, they won fifty five well, to three. But so. give us stats from last year, Ryan, and it's a yes. different story. I mean, you're talking one hundred and ten tackles, ten tackles for loss, two and a half sacks for a linebacker. This is a kid who plays, he plays weak side linebacker in their system. And he's a kid that I think is going to play on the NFL level. Not saying he's going to be a starting caliber NFL player, but I guarantee, I I feel pretty solidly that I think that he can last on the NFL level for a few years. So he's a good football player, Abraham Bo, uh, Bo plan. Eli Neal, his middle linebacker partner, who's number 24 for this team, who is also a good football player. He's more of a downhill type of kid, even though he's actually a little smaller than Bo Plan. He's 6'2", 228 pounds, but it's got a little bit of that hammer to him, man. Like, he'll get downhill, he'll fill. Not as quite a good athlete as Bo Plan is, but he's he's also a good football player. And then, I mean, Brian, the best player that they had defensively in their first game was Charlie Gray, who he plays their stud backer role is what they call it, and it's it's basically Notre Dame's rover, right? Like, right. they run a four-two-five base. He's playing that kind of overhang position. He is 6'3", 214 pounds, I think he was listed at, 213 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. So he's got a little bit of linebacker to him, a little bit of safety. He's coming off an eight tackle, a a tackle and a half performance, half a sack. He does a lot of nice stuff working from depth. He's a little over aggressive at times. So I think that I'm looking forward to the RPO game that we talked about a little bit in this week Mm because I think you can make Charlie Gray guess wrong a little bit because he's a very aggressive kid, but he is also – a good football player. So the second yes. level, of the second level of the Marshall defense is, is right near power five caliber. In my mm-hmm. opinion, yep, I would say, I think it's a good second level. And then you mentioned Steven Gilmore, who's arguably their best defensive player. I mean, he's a good football player, younger brother of Stefan Gilmore, and he's had a good Marshall career, man. Like he's been a four year contributor to this team and he wasn't tested very much last week. No tackles, only had one pass breakup, but that's because they don't really throw the ball at him much anymore when you're playing against Marshall. So I'm looking forward to seeing if they challenge him a little bit. And again, interior offensive line has to come to play because although the interior defensive line is not great for Marshall, they have some linebackers. So you need to be able to get up to the second level and then stop some of their momentum or else number seven, number 24, number one are going to make some plays. So the interior offense line, I think has to play a, ton better in this in this game so the other thing too schematically is marshall's not just going to line up 
and they're going to do a lot of different things. They're going to show some different looks. That, that you'll see a lot from them, Ryan, which I find interesting. And I saw it against Norfolk State and and a little bit. I, I've watched just a little bit of that game, but you saw it last year too. There's times where there's only two dudes with their hand in the ground on defense. Yep. I mean, and so it can hurt you as an as a defense to be that way if you're. But the thing is, is they do that because it allows them to do more movement that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the thing you have to be prepared for. So if Notre Dame can handle the stone, we'll get into some of the stuff as we get into the deeper into the breakdown. But that's the thing is I actually like this as a test for Notre Dame, the Notre Dame offensive line, Ryan, because yeah. this is a defense that can run. It's not just some big, slow or small, slow Bowling Green, New Mexico team where you can actually – I remember watching the New Mexico game. They did not play that well that game, but they were just so much better than New Mexico. They could still hang 66 on them. And I'm like, yeah, I wasn't impressed by that 66. I mean, like, you're not, you know, it just, it, you're, I just wasn't impressed. This is a team that, yes, you should smash them score wise, but you're going to have to earn that smashing, right? That's, that's yes. the whole thing. It's kind of like Toledo. Notre Dame should have beat Toledo convincingly, but you have to earn that, that convincing win. You're not, they're not just going to show up and like roll over and be like, okay, spank us, please. You know, they're, they're going to say, hey, we're going, we're going to come here battle. Like, I, there's a bunch of kids in a football team saying, look, if I can play well against Notre Dame, I, I, I can find myself on some people's draft boards. I'm yes. going to make myself some money. It's a money game for me. It is a money and game. so that, that they're, they're going to bring it on Saturday. And so that's, it's going to be a great test for the Notre Dame offense because they're not just going to line up and play. They're going to throw some different looks at Tyler Buckner. They're going to make him read defenses and try to bait him into mistakes and all those type of things. Now, they weren't great at turning the ball over last year, but they're going to do a lot of those things against Notre Dame. And so we're going to learn a lot about Notre Dame because because of that, because they're going to make them work for it. Again, th- there's there's got to be a realization of who the, the opponent is, right? And that's just what Notre Dame fans like to do is they like to convince them. They're like most fan bases, right? You convince yourself that every team you play is just not good. And, and so like, and then when you only win by 28, you're like disappointed, only win by 28, right? Like, you have to understand who your opponent is to then appreciate when you do win convincingly. Like, you know, if you if they are able to beat them the way that they should, you know, let's say they earn a 45 to 14 victory. You look at them and say, man, that's a really good win because that team is, is a decent team, right? You had to earn that. And so if the Notre Dame offense does come out and click on Saturday, that's going to be a good sign. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get another big test on Saturday against Cal, who Cal has a lot of issues as a program. Ryan and you and I have talked a lot about that. Yeah. But one thing Cal can do is they can play some defense. For sure. You know, and and that's the thing. So so we're going to learn a lot about the offense the next couple of weeks. Will it mean that they've arrived? No, it's still Marshall and Cal. But yep. they're going to present tests that are going to be unique to things Notre Dame needs to learn about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the important thing when looking at this game. So yep. Again, man, it's a it's a this is we talked about the last one being a real true barometer of where your team is, but I think that this is a barometer of how much you've improved. And again, you don't have to be perfect to beat a Marshall convincingly. You don't have to. Your your talent is much higher than them. But it's I think it's going to tell you a lot from a mental capacity type of thing, right? Like what's the mentality of this football team that you're able to come back and play a solid football game? And get things going on the right track because this is kind of a table setter, man. We know that the schedule is going to get harder from here on out. The next couple weeks should be games that Notre Dame wins pretty convincingly. But down the stretch, there's going to be the BYUs and the Clemsons and the USC's. And you have to start setting the table to make this run. Because unfortunately, with the loss of the first game, Brian, like if this team is going to have any, if they're going to have a 
chance at a playoff berth, they need to run the table. So they have a low margin for error now. So I think it's going to be a interesting, interesting game. I'm looking forward to see it. And of course, I'm also going to be there. So I want to, right. I want to win while I'm on campus. You know what I mean? So speaking of that, so I do want to remind people of this. We're not quite sure where yet, but we will be having an Irish breakdown tailgate on Saturday. We're going to try to get out there around 10 o'clock is our goal as of right now. So we, we will hopefully kind of be able to, to, to make that happen and try to get up there. Um, but uh, we're going to have a nice big spread. My parents are coming in town, so they're going to cook. My mom's going to, I tried to tell her yesterday, like, don't worry about it. Just come in, just hang out, relax. I want you to just, nope, nope. But she enjoys to cook. She enjoys to serve people. So we'll do that. We'll probably, we'll try to get there around 10 uh, and then just kind of be there the whole time. So right now we're still trying to find a, you know, get some parking passes. We're either going to be in stadium or Joyce, hopefully, uh, but we're still working on trying to acquire those. But we will be having a, a big Irish breakdown tailgate this weekend. So if you are coming in town for the Marshall game, definitely want to look for us. You'll get a chance to meet me. You'll get a chance to meet Ryan. Uh, Vince will eventually get there. So he's going to be doing the IB countdown to kickoff, uh, hopefully with Sean Styers at, at 10 o'clock in the morning. So they'll do that till noon. And then uh, and then Vince will come on over too. Sean Davis is going to be in town this weekend. So Pretty much the whole crew is going to be on campus this weekend, with the exception of Sean Styers, who I'm hoping is still going to be sitting at home on Saturday. So yes. he and I are going to have to have a little chat this weekend because, um, you know, so so we'll see. But yeah, so we'll be there, um, and and then we'll be in there till it's time to head into the stadium. So definitely look for that. So if you're going to be at the game this weekend, uh, make sure you're paying attention to my Twitter account if you are on Twitter. So at Coach D178. Uh, we will text the the lot where we are, and then I'll also take a picture of kind of the number of the parking area that we'll be at. And then you'll see us, we'll have an IB flag. And of course you'll see us rocking our IB gear. Cause we always rock our IB gear or usually you and I do anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's where we'll be. So we, we are going to uh, obviously have a lot about Marshall this week. Tomorrow we will dive into the stacking up. So Ryan and I will kind of look at how the numbers stack up and, you know, dive into the matchups even further. I'll have, have a chance to watch even more film by then. Uh, dive even further in the matchups and then thursday we'll do one o'clock we'll do keys to the keys to victory for notre dame things that we need to see and then on friday we'll have our prediction show and you know we'll predict the notre dame game ryan but there's also some other games this weekend that i'm really looking forward to discussing on friday too because our new thing is we not only do the notre dame stuff uh, but we're also going to kind of predict some of the top games this weekend i got the notre dame game wrong but i did go three and oh in the other games and i got my upset game correct as well because I predicted that Arizona was going to go on the road and beat San Diego State, who they were a touchdown underdog against, and uh, got beat by last year at home. I, I don't know what it is about what they're doing at Arizona. I just think they're – I just I just had a feeling about that one. So wish I was also correct on my feeling about uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State. But the defense was there. Uh, but we'll be talking about Alabama-Texas for sure. That will definitely be one game that we'll be talking about this weekend. Uh, you know, kind of we'll, we'll figure out some other games, but there's some interesting games this weekend. Tennessee Pitt is going to be an interesting game this weekend. Kentucky at Florida is going to be an interesting game this weekend. USC at Stanford, Baylor at BYU. So I don't Baylor, know if BYU's I can say, fun. yeah, I don't game. know if I can say week two is going to be quite as good as week one, mm-hmm. but it's gonna, It's still a good weekend. You know, Arizona State at Oklahoma State, uh, as I mentioned, Baylor and BYU, uh, Kentucky, Florida. It's going to be an oh, and here's another one that may, people may not. Houston at Texas Tech is going to be really interesting. Yeah, because Texas Tech, uh, unfortunately, Tyler Shuck got hurt, but they have yeah. the actual better quarterback playing now, and Donovan yeah. Smith, which will be interesting. Yeah. Who's Rutgers playing, Brian? They're one to know. They're off to I a know, great right? start. 
See, <laughs> see, you know who else looked good on opening weekend? Again, they didn't play a very good team, but Duke looked really good. Riley that Leonard at quarterback, quarterback looked really good. Riley Leonard can play. Yeah, yes. He's a good quarterback. And they yep. called off the dogs in the second half because it was 24 yep. nothing at halftime for Duke. And, and, and again, look, I get it. I get it. They were playing Temple. But it's Duke, right? Yes. I mean, it's Duke. <laughs> we're not talking about like Miami hanging 70 on Bethune Cookman. I mean, Duke went three and nine last year. They lost to Charlotte last year. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, you know, their wins were over North Carolina AT, a bad Northwestern team in Kansas. That was it. So heck of a first game for Mike Elko in, in being able to beat Temple convincingly. And then, of course, Northwestern gets a chance to kind of bounce back. So I'm looking to see who records. Washington State at Wisconsin, that'll be an interesting game. Talk uh, about the, talk about a battle of completely opposite oh, structures. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa State is going to be a really fascinating game because Iowa was terrible in their first game. That – it, they got to seven points. This is the crazy thing, Ryan. They got mm-hmm. to seven points without a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I watched the entire game and it was like, awful. <laughs> it was how awful. do you do that? They won seven to three without a touchdown. Yes. Like, that is ugly. I mean, Man. you scored the same amount of offensive points as South Dakota State. I put it. I put in the poke fun at one point, but uh, Jack Campbell was responsible for more points during that game than Spencer Petrus was. So yeah. that was bad. Yep, that was really Very bad. bad. Like Very bad. really bad. I mean, not only could they not throw, they couldn't run it. Nope. Against South Dakota State, that's really bad. So they are in trouble. It's mm-hmm. like Notre Dame. We're talking about Notre Dame not playing well on offense. Yeah. Right. They. That was against Ohio State. And they at least did something, some things relatively well. I mean, Uh they had 166 yards of offense against South Dakota State. Now, is South Dakota State a good FCS team? Yes, they are. Yes, very good. They are. They are. They were, what, 11 and four last year, made it to the the NCAA tournament, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, had some good wins last year, beat North Dakota, who's a good football team, beat Colorado State last year. South Dakota State. They killed Colorado State. Yeah. (laughs) Killed them. Yeah. But, should not be a team that that Iowa scores seven points against. No, I mean Ryan, they only gave up fewer than ten points three times last year against Lindenwood, Indiana State, and Dixie State. Oh, division. I mean, Lindenwood, huh? You know, I mean, my man, come on now, that was that was bad. So we're gonna right. definitely have some get yeah. uh, Wagner. Rutgers played with Wagner, so that's a tough game. Fighting Greg Schiano's are gonna start off two and zero. Oh. There you go. It's nice, man. Yeah. I saw someone said in the chat that Oregon State plays Fresno State. That's an interesting game. That's yes. a really yes. interesting game. Oregon State smacked Boise State. I the like their coach, Jonathan Smith. He man, he's doing, he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. And he's done it sneaky. Like nobody yes. talks about him. And the other thing I like is they're not playing, they're not gimmicky. No. Like they don't line up and play like, you know, they don't do like air raid. They line up and run at you. Yes. Like they are a running football team. And and the thing about the win over Boise State is they didn't run it that well against Boise. Not for them. I mean, they're a team like 212 yards last year. They were like 30 some yards below their season average, you know, Mm -hmm. than what it was. And then the last full year before that, or the COVID year, I mean, they were almost just under 200. So they like to run the football. And they didn't run the football all that well against them, against Boise, and still won because I thought their quarterback, Chance Nolan, made some big plays. And so. He did. Um, and he turned it over, still turned it over a couple times too. Like, so they didn't play a clean game and they still smacked Boise State. 
Their their defense had played a really good game, I thought, yeah. against Boise. And yeah. I mean, Jonathan Smith. So he went to to Oregon State. He played at Oregon State, but mm-hmm. he would not he would not be surprised if he gets some bigger offers here pretty soon. Yeah, like, that's going to be interesting. Job. It's going to be yeah. interesting because, like you said, I mean, Notre Dame fans remember Jonathan Smith. He was the quarterback on that Oregon State team that beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl in was a two thousand when they had Ken yep. Simonton at running back, Chad Johnson, T.J. Hushmanzada. It's a good football team. Yeah. Uh, smack Notre Dame. He was their quarterback, and he did a great job at Washington. He was, I believe, their offensive coordinator when they went to the college football playoff. The year that Jake Browning threw like 40-some uh, touchdowns. I'm pretty sure that Am that right? is correct. So uh, I'm 2000 Washington football team. Let me pull this up real quick. I want to make sure that I'm actually accurate on this. Then, yes, Jonathan Smith was their offensive coordinator that year, and Jake nice. Browning uh, had like 40-some touchdown passes. And then he was gone within two years. He was at Oregon State. And so a younger guy, 43 years old, so not like an older, older guy, took over an Oregon State team that was a hot mess, and he had him in a bowl game last year. So that was that was the weirdest 40 touchdown season I've ever seen, by the yes. way, Jake Browning. It was oh. it was it was around some very average seasons, but he just threw 40. Well, and he would just crazy. throw it as far as he could, and John Dross would run underneath it. And he had he had Dante Pettis was a really good pass catcher on that yeah. team. I mean, he had some dudes and the Pac-12 stinks on defense. He had Miles Gaskin too, didn't he? Did he have Gaskin back then? Uh, running bl- back? Um may have, can't remember. Uh, maybe one one of the years. I don't know if he had it in 2016. I mean, I literally don't know if he had it. Yeah, Miles Gaskin ran for 1373 that year. And LeVon nice. Coleman ran for 800-some that year as well. So I mean, he was just throwing bombs to John to John Ross and Dante Pettis. They had Chico McClatcher. That was before all his injuries. Chico mm-hmm. was a pretty dynamic kid as well. Uh, yep. Daryl Daniels at, at tight end. Drew Sample at, at tight end, who's now in the NFL. So yep. he had some dudes around him, and he would just kind of chuck it. And, you know, and just – but yeah, he uh, yeah, it was such a weird year because like the I, next year he he dropped down to nineteen five, and then the next year he was a sixteen ten. Like that's the weirdest stat line I've ever seen. Yeah, sixteen ten. It's like he had like a steroid year in baseball. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like where you get these guys that like they're just like eighteen homer guys, and all of a sudden they break out like fifty and, like, in the <laughs> yeah. steroid era, and then like the next yeah. year they're down to seventeen. You're like, gee, I wonder what was different that year. I, yeah, you know, right, right. like. <laughs> Well, I th- I think uh, I think that Browning just thought he was back at Folsom High School because I told yeah. you that one before where he threw like 91 touchdowns yeah. so when you're in Folsom. <laughs> like, it doesn't insane. make any sense, man. It's insane. So, so going to be some fun games this weekend for sure that yeah. we're going to talk about uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to the mailbag next. But before we do, make sure you all hit that like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Uh, share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. We are going to do a mailbag. We only have a couple questions in there right now. Uh, so get those questions in. But uh, again, before you go, if you're going to leave us, hopefully you stay. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, and hit the notification bell on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.